You know, as I began to kind of prepare for Christmas message, it's always the same scriptures every year, or it seems to be close to that, the, you know, the, the birth of Christ. And I kind of began to think, well, how do I want to approach it this year? You know, do I want to approach from, you know, Mary's perspective or Joseph's perspective or maybe even heaven's perspective? And I kind of began to look at all this. And as I was studying and kind of preparing, the Lord just kind of put it on my heart. Simply teach the word simply. And that's kind of what we've been known to do, is we simply teach the Bible simply. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to cover uh, Gabriel's appearance to Mary tonight, and then we're going to pick up tomorrow morning. So it's going to be like a two-part message. You might only, if you're only coming to one, you're only going to get part one, or the people that aren't here tonight will only get part two tomorrow. But if you want to hear the whole thing, you'll be able to pick it up online next week. So we're going to have a two-part message. So we're going to pick up in chapter one, verse 26 this evening, and we'll go down uh, through verse 38. So chapter 1, verse 26 of Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. In these two verses, we're introduced to a few people. We meet Mary, we meet Joseph, and we also meet an angel by the name of Gabriel. Gabriel, he was a busy angel. He had, this isn't like Clarence. I just want you to know, you know, the time of year you have, uh, uh, it's a wonderful, not Clarence. He's not earning his wings. He's already got his wings, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Gabriel had just previously, a little while before, been, uh, to, been with Zacharias. Zacharias was in the temple uh, uh, ministering to the Lord and Zacharias was praying and Zacharias and his wife wanted a child and, and he was praying for a child and Gabriel uh, told them that they would have a child and he blessed them. He, he told them of the good news that God was going to give them a son and they we're going to call that son John the Baptist, and that son was eventually born and became John the Baptist. So here, Gabriel the angel is now appearing to Mary, and we see Mary, we see Joseph, we see that they're from, they're from a place called Nazareth. Nazareth. Well, Nazareth is it's completely unremarkable. There's really nothing to tell you about Nazareth. It's just kind of, it's, it's just there. It's, it's, this is the first time it's ever mentioned in the scriptures. There's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing popular about it. It's not, it's not anything great. It's located in the region of Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. But the problem is it's 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee. It's not really close to the Sea of Galilee. As a matter of fact, it's six miles at this time, was six miles from the nearest main road that would go through there. So it's kind of off in the distance. It was a rather small population, and it, there's nothing remarkable about it, but this is where Mary and Joseph lived. And we read here that Mary and jo Joseph are betrothed, and that means they're, they're, they're going to be married. But their, their married culture, their, the, the way that they did it was a little bit different than the way we, they, than we do it today. In our culture, what happens? You want to get married, you buy an engagement ring, you go ask her, will she marry you? Hopefully she says yes, and then you're engaged to be married. And, and you're not really married until the wedding day. You're not really married until you get in front and I, you say I do and he says I do and they pronounce you man and wife and then you become married. That's not the way it was in the Jewish culture. There was, there was three stages to a Jewish wedding. The first stage is the engagement. It's the formal agreement between the fathers. The dads got together, they worked it all out, they talked about it, they shared a glass of wine, they made an agreement that said you were going to get married, they figured it out. Then came the betrothal. The betrothal is where they would, they would both, if the, if the wife agreed, she would drink from the cup of wine, and they were, they were considered betrothed. It was where mutual promises were made, but the marriage wasn't consummated. They didn't move in together. They didn't, that, that wasn't the, the marriage, the, the, the feast, the party, the, the celebration, that wasn't what took place. But in Jewish culture, what would happen is the bridegroom the, 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 the man, the, the, the bridegroom, would then go back to his father's house. 
And he would begin to build a room off of his father's house for his, his bride. And when the father said that it was done, at an unbeknownst time to the bridegroom, usually about a year was kind of typical, the bridegroom would then take and, and have a procession through the streets of the town where then he would come for his bride and he would take his bride, he would receive his bride and take her back to the house. Kind of a lot like the rapture of the church, Christ coming for the church. We see that as a picture in the Jewish wedding. Then once he went and got the bride, that was what the marriage that's when the marriage took place. You say, Rob, why are you telling us all this? Because Mary and Joseph were betrothed. Although they weren't living together, they were betrothed, they were married. For them to be separated, it would have required a degree of divorce. So it's not like our engagement. It's much more uh, serious than our engagement. They're betrothed, they will be married. But notice what else it says. It says that Mary's a virgin. And this is important in the scripture. It says she's a virgin. This means she had not been with a man before. Uh, Bible scholars would estimate she's somewhere around anywhere as young as 13 or 14 all the way up to her late teens. Probably 15 or 16 is a good, is a good age to kind of figure that, that she is. So she's a young woman here. Uh, and here's why this is important. Because the Old Testament scriptures in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, it tells the Jewish people that their Messiah would be born of a virgin. Would be born of a virgin. It says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Lord's going to give you a sign. This is how you'll know the Messiah is being born. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, look at verse 28. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you, or blessed are you among women. Gabriel just kind of waltzes in. Now, I, I don't know what Gabriel, had anybody ever seen Gabriel before? I've never seen Gabriel. I don't know really what he looks like, but he comes into wherever she's at and he starts saying to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord's with you. Blessed are you among women. Rejoice, which means to be glad. It's a formal greeting. It's implying a wish for happiness. He tells Mary, 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 you're highly favored. You're highly favored, Mary. And Mary, I want you to know this. I want you to know the Lord is with you also, Mary. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And by the way, Mary, you are blessed among women. Lord, Mary, you are blessed. But Mary, she's not so sure about all this. Look at verse 28. But when she saw him, she was troubled. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Mary's a young girl, probably in her mid-teens. This whole thing seems a little bit strange to her, and you can imagine why. What is going on here? What is, what, who are you? What, what's going on here? You can imagine she would be asking those questions. And then he says in verse 30, then the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The son or the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. So the first thing he says to Mary is, hey, don't be afraid. He, why, why would he say that? Because she's afraid. She's freaking out. Who's this person that's into my, who's walking in? I don't know that he had wings and all that kind of stuff. He might have looked just like a normal person. Who is this person that's here? What, what's going on? She's afraid. And it's, isn't it typical that when, when people in the Bible see angels, that's usually the reaction they have. They're usually always afraid. So she's afraid, and, and he, she's, she's Mary, she, she's just, she, she's worked up over this. 
But the angel takes the focus and he shifts it from Mary to Jesus. He starts telling her about Jesus, about what's, what's going to take place. Mary, this isn't about you. Mary, it's not about you. Don't be afraid. Everything's cool. Relax. But let me tell you what's about to take place. And he tells her six things about this baby that are really important. Number one, he says his name's going to be called Jesus. His name will be called Jesus. That's the, uh, it's Yeshua in Hebrew. It's Joshua is the way it would be translated. Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, all the same word, just different translations. That's what he's saying. It's going to be uh, Yeshua. It's going to be Joshua. Its name's going to be Jesus. It means Jehovah is salvation. Mary was Hebrew. She knew about the Messiah. It was something they looked for. It was something they waited for. It was something they were, they, were, they were anxiously waiting for. They were always looking for the Messiah. And now here's Gabriel saying, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And here's what else he says to, and number two, he says, he will be great. He will be great. He's going to be great. The baby that you're going to give birth, his name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be great. No one has ever influenced history more than Jesus Christ. Do you know that? No one has ever influenced history like Christ has. Whether somebody believes or not, even if you were to say, I don't believe in Jesus, he has, he has influenced history and mankind more than anybody else ever. It's very, very, it's, matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, it's, is it not proven that he is great? Is it, it's already proven that he is great. Conquerors are great, and he is the greatest of them. Deliverers are great, and he is the greatest of them. Liberators are great, and he is the greatest of them. Saviors are great, and he is the greatest of them. Mary, your son, he's going to be called Jesus. He's going to be great. And number three, he will be called the son of the highest. He will be called the son of the highest. Not only will he be known as your son, Mary, he's going to be known as the son of God. He will be known as the son of God. But notice what it says. It says he will be called. He didn't become the son of God. He will be called the son of God. Jesus was in existence before this time. When he was birthed is when he came into this world, to this earth, but he existed long before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Revelation 19 would tell us that the Word is Jesus Christ. So here he's coming in, and they say he will be called the Son of the Most Highest. He was already in existence. And number four, Gabriel said this, God will give him the throne of David. God's going to give him the throne of David. He's going to be a descendant of David. To the Jewish person, this meant everything. David wasn't on the throne right now. And he'd been off the throne for about a thousand years at this point. And, and here, here, here the angel Gabriel is saying, Mary, God is going to give your son the throne of David. He's going to, he's going to be David, part of David's descendants. He will sit on David's throne. When will that take place? It'll begin in the millennial reign when Jesus comes back. At his second coming, he will sit on a throne in Jerusalem. He will rule and reign forever. He will take the throne of David, and he will sit there forever. We're still waiting on that to take place. But he also says in number five, he will reign over the house of Jacob. This is all in the same conversation. This is a lot to take in for a teenage girl, don't you think? This is, a lot of, this is some pretty heavy stuff we're talking about here. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. Jesus' reign over the nation Israel as their king will begin in the millennium and continue in, on into eternity. It's going to take place is what Gabriel's saying. And number six, Gabriel says to Mary, his kingdom will have no end. He's not going to be a king who takes the throne and then sets it aside or falls. He's not going to be a king who messes up. He's going to be a king that will rule forever. It will last forever. God told David this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God said to David, when your days are fulfilled 
and you rest with your fathers. In other words, when you're dead and gone, David, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He'll build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Certainly Solomon, David's son, fulfilled that in the short term. We're studying in 1 Kings on Thursday night. But who was he ultimately talking about? Jesus Christ. Because his is the, his is the reign that will have no end. Solomon's reign? Well, we know it ends. We, we know that that ends. We just studied that on Thursday nights. David understood the prophecy as referring not only to the, his immediate son, Solomon, who would build the temple, but also to the future son who would rule forever and ever. David stated that Yahweh had spoken of the distant future in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 19. So it was clear that he was referring to Christ, to the Messiah. Now, what do you think Mary's response is to all this? Just picture it. Here she is doing whatever she's doing, her daily chores, wherever she was. All of a sudden, an angel pops up and tells her all this stuff. And she's like, what? Look what she says, verse 34. Then Mary said, and this is a great question to the angel, how can it be since I do not know a man? You understand what she's asking, don't you? Well, hey, hey, Gabriel, I haven't been with the guy yet. I know we're betrothed to be married, but we have, we're not married. Joe, Joe and I aren't married yet. How is this possible? Mary was a woman of God. She knew the scriptures. She was waiting for the Messiah and completely understood what the angel was telling her about the Messiah. I believe she understood what he was saying to her. I believe she had that in her mind. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah of Israel. It's coming. But I also believe that she was surprised that she was the one that was chosen. Who is she? She's Nazareth. She's born in Nazareth. She's, she's nobody. She's not, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no, no, no royal lineage. There's no, no, not even no, no connection to anybody important. She's just an average, ordinary person. And her question is, how can this be? Gabriel, how can this be? I don't know a man. Good question, Mary. Logical question. And I want you to understand something. Mary wasn't doubting. Mary wasn't saying, this is impossible. Mary was just simply asking a question, how? In the previous section, when Zacharias was in the temple worshiping and the angel told him he was going to have a son, he doubted and the angel made him mute and he wasn't able to speak until the son was born because he didn't believe what the angel was saying. I don't believe Mary's in that position where she's saying, I don't believe this. That No, I, don't, I really don't believe you. She's just simply saying, in a sense, how is this possible? How could this possibly happen? Could a, could a virgin really give birth? In other words, that's, she, in my mind, it doesn't make any sense. I, I'm not with the guy. I, I don't understand this. Well, that's a hotly debated, it's been hotly debated over the years. Did the virgin really give birth? Many mythologies have legends about a god who had sexual relations with a woman and produced offspring. But the idea of a virgin birth, that's unique to Christianity. No other religion, no other myth. It's strictly something that's unique to Christianity. The virgin would give birth. And it's the sign that Isaiah said thousand years before that would take place. That will, he will be born of a virgin. In fact, it's not a question of whether the Bible says Jesus was born of a virgin. It's simply a question of do you believe it or not. It's simply, and if you don't believe it, then I would have to ask you what other parts of the Bible do you just disregard because you don't understand how. You see, when we take the scriptures, we have to take all of the scriptures, and there will be parts of the scriptures that we don't fully understand how. We don't really understand why. We can't always make sense of it. But we have to be willing to say, Lord, we trust that you do. We trust that you know. Because if I can remove that part as being untrue, then I can re remove any other part as being untrue that I choose to be so. And that's where it becomes very, very careful. She wasn't doubting. She was only asking for an explanation. The Bible is clear. The only question that you need to ask is, do you believe it? Is that what you believe tonight? Because she asks, how can this be? The angel says in verse 35, he answers her. 
I like it. When you ask God how, when you ask God why, what's going on, he's going to answer you. Her heart is right in this. Her heart, Mary's going, I don't understand. How could this be? And look what he says. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary, you don't have to figure this out on your own. Mary, you don't have to do this by yourself. He, says, he tells her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I like this because it's a picture. You know what? It, it, in other words, it's like the angel's telling, telling, Gabriel's telling Mary, Mary, this is what you're going to do. And she's like, how is this possible? How could I possibly do this? It's almost like the angel's saying, don't worry, God's going to do this through you. God's going to do this work in you. As a matter of fact, you can't do the will of God without the help of God. Even in your own life, you can't accomplish the will of God in your life without the help of God in your life. Mary couldn't do this on her own. She needed God's help in this, and that's what Gabriel's telling her. Listen, God's going to be with you in this. God's going to be right there next to you. This isn't a Joseph thing. Joseph's not going to father this baby. This is going to be the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The word overshadow, it means to cover with a cloud. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. We see that repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. Essentially, Gabriel told Mary, the glory of the Lord will come upon you and you're going to become pregnant supernaturally. There's not some kind of intimate relationship happening here. It's a supernatural thing. Henry, Dr. Henry Morris said this, this delicate expression, speaking of the way it's written, rules out crude ideas of mating of the Holy Spirit with Mary. So it's not, not possible. Another commentator wrote this. He said, technically speaking, however, the angel predicted a virgin, vir, virgin conception rather than a virgin birth. As far as anyone can tell, the actual birth of Jesus was perfectly normal. But what wasn't normal is the way that he was conceived because he was conceived by God inside of Mary. Now, oftentimes, oh, one other thing. The angel closes the conversation. I like it because you ever go to the scriptures and you ever wonder how is this possible? I don't understand this. I, I can't make sense of this. It doesn't really fit. He says it in verse 37, for with God, nothing's impossible. I like that. We need to remember that. There's a couple notes that I have written in my Bible here. I have written next to my Bible up near uh, where it's talking about the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I have this note written. You can't do the will of God without the help of God. That's a reminder to me and to you. If you want to accomplish God's will in your life, you need the help of God. You need the power of God to be able to do that. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you as well to accomplish his will for your life. It works just the same way. Not saying anybody's going to give, have a virgin birth in here. That's already been done. Not going to happen again. The scripture doesn't talk about it. Now, for, God will, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Oftentimes, I've come across people who have a desire to do something for the Lord. They want to work for the Lord. They want to serve the Lord. They want to, they want to do something. And God's put something in their heart. They've, he, they've, they've birthed it in their heart. And there's a desire. I really want to accomplish this thing for God. And they fall back and they look around. And they go, well, I, I don't have that ability. I, I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the, I'm not gifted enough to do that. I'm not the strength. I, I don't have the strength to do that. I couldn't possibly do that. Can I encourage you that if God has put something in your heart that you want to accomplish for him, he will also give you the strength, the power, the money, the finances, whatever you need to accomplish it, he will do it in you. That's, what, that's what's happening with Mary here. God is doing the work here, not Mary's not doing the work. Mary's going to have to walk the walk. 
And it's going to be a difficult walk for her too. But God is doing the work in here and the same thing works for us. Even among Mary's doubts and inability to completely understand, uh, Gabriel simply tells her, with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary's words, Mary's response to this short conversation in verse 38 are beautiful. Mary says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Mary says, here I am, behold, the maid, here I am, Lord, here I am, I am your maidservant, I am your servant, I will do whatever you want me to do. I, will, I realize what this is going to bring upon me. I realize people in my neighborhood are going to talk. I realize people at, at my local synagogue are gonna, not going to believe me when I tell them, listen, it's not Joseph's child. I realize that because it's going to look like I had intimate relationships outside of wedlock that I'm subject to stoning because that's what it was back in that day. I realize what I'm going to have to carry, but yet nevertheless she says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The amount of faith and trust that Mary had is truly remarkable for a young girl. Truly, it came from the Lord. He put that faith and trust in her. As she says, behold, whatever you want, Lord. She was only betrothed to Joseph, had not been with the man yet. Yet the angel told her she'd become pregnant. The Holy Spirit would overshadow her. Try going home and explaining that to your mom and dad. How do you think they would buy? Do you think, well, you know, I know, listen, mom, listen, dad. I know we're Jewish, right? And there's a Messiah. Well, I'm going to have the Messiah. Mom and dad thought she was nuts. They sent her away. She's going to go see her cousin Elizabeth. She's going to go see Elizabeth to get out of there, get out of town for a while. It was difficult for her. It was a hard walk. It was something that she wasn't even fully prepared to do, but yet she was willing to do. And let me just say that the walk that she has for the next several years as she raises Christ, as she watches him grow up, as she watches his ministry, as she watches him go to the cross, as she's there when he's crucified, it wasn't an easy walk. She did that with the power of the Lord. She was able to endure that. that she's blessed among women, but it wasn't an easy walk. Mary understood as she accepted the will of God in her life that her life would never be the same, never be the same again. And it would also never, it wouldn't be easy for her. It was going to be a difficult road for her. I don't know if she fully understood all that she would endure. I don't think she understood everything. I don't think she knew everything that was coming. But I think she did know that this was going to get tough. This was going to be a difficult season. It was going to be tough. What's Joseph going to say when I try to explain it to him? Now, if you know the story, you know that Gabriel's also going to pay a visit to Joseph because Joseph's going to think about not marrying her, wouldn't you? Of course you would, you know, because you, you know it's not your baby, but yet she, there it is, the baby bump's coming. What are you going to do? Gabriel's going to take care of that. God's going to take care of that part. Mary simply says, Lord, I'll do with whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Here I am, you're the maidservant of the Lord. Whatever I can do for you, Lord, however I can serve you, however I can help you, I'll take it. Whatever, whatever path you've carved out for me, I'm willing to walk because I know you'll walk it with me. I don't believe she knew the personal suffering that would take place. I don't believe she would, understood that she'd have to endure the watch, to watch her son crucified on a cross. I don't believe she saw that coming. I don't think she understood the reward that she was going to receive either. She's blessed among women. Your walk, my walk in this life might be plagued with difficulty sometimes. It might be plagued with, with a burden. It might be plagued with addiction or sadness or suffering or the loss of a loved one, especially at this time of the year. It could be plagued with many other things. But I want you to go back and I want you to remember. Remember what, remember what Gabriel said to Mary when he first came in. He said in verse 28, 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And I am here to tell you tonight that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, those things apply to you. I can stand here and tell you the Lord is with you. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28 as he gives out the Great Commission? He says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Number two, she's blessed. You're blessed. Verse Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Number three, he tells her, you are highly favored. Great section of scripture. It's often missed. He says, Mary, you are highly favored. And I know some of you go, I wish I was highly favored. How come she got to be highly? What did she ever do to get highly favored? I know that's how our minds work sometimes. How come, she's, how come she got to be highly favored? Listen, I want to tell you something. That word for highly favored, the Greek word, it's harito. It only occurs one other place in scripture. Mary's told she's highly favored, but there's somebody else who's told they're highly favored. And this is important. Anybody know who it is? Not Jesus. Not Abraham. Ephesians 1.6, it says this. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. That word accepted is the same word for highly favored. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are highly favored just like Mary was. Same word, same exact word, only two places in the Bible. Both when it's talking about Mary, talking about Mary that she's highly favored. And then again, when Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's talking about us and our position in Christ. He says, you are highly favored as all. You are highly favored as well. Isn't that cool? Us, we're highly favored in the beloved, it says, in Christ. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us highly favored in the beloved. You're highly favored in Christ. Accepted, that's what it means. Now, that's only true of those that know the Lord. That's only true of those that, that, that know Jesus. And you see, I always have to make this clear. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the Lord, then you're not highly favored because you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love you because he loved us while we were still in sin. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't want a relationship with you because he does. He wants a relationship with everybody. But he, 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 he's waiting on you to accept the gift that Christ came for. He, we celebrate his birth, but what was the purpose of his birth? His death. What was the purpose of his death? To take the penalty for sin from us so that we could have a relationship with him. So we celebrate his birth. We're essentially celebrating his birth, his death, and his resurrection all in one. We don't, it's not, although we celebrate two holidays, they all go together. You know, we have Easter and Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate in the spring, but his birth is, leads to his death. Without the death, we don't have the payment for sin. So before we close tonight, I just have to ask, is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Is there anybody here who says, you know what, I really need to accept Christ? I've never, I've never done that yet. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've fallen back. Maybe you just say, you know what, I've, I've, never, I've never publicly stood up and said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm an, I want to accept Jesus Christ. If there's anybody here that wants to do that tonight, would you stand up right now for me? Don't worry about somebody sitting next to you. And you'll know that if you're supposed to because you'll have that nervous feeling. You'll be like, oh, I don't know, should I or shouldn't I? If you've never accepted Christ... Would you just stand up? I want to pray with you. And everybody else, everybody, you wouldn't be the only one. Everybody here stood up for Christ at some point, if they're believers. We've all stood up at some time. Is there anybody that says, this Christmas, I've been away from the Lord. This Christmas, I want to start over. I want to start fresh. I want to give my life to the Lord. Anybody? 
Well, it's my prayer that we are all believers. And if we are, praise the Lord that we can gather in this house. Anybody, sure. Just stand up if you want to accept Christ tonight. Awesome. I hope that we're all believers. Now, let's pray together. Father, as we've looked at this passage of Scripture, it's almost unbelievable that an angel would come appear to a teenage girl and tell her that she's about to give birth to the Messiah and she would respond so affirmative that, Lord, whatever you want, Lord, would you give us that kind of faith? That we would be willing to walk in the road that you've called us. Lord, may we not be people who are whining and complaining about every little thing. But may we be people who are focused on you, Lord. May your calling be clear in our life. May you show us the direction that we need to go. Lord, may our lives be lived separate from the world and for you, Lord. Lord, it is my prayer that every person here knows Christ. It's my prayer that every person here has a relationship with you, that as we can celebrate tonight, in the fellowship and the food, Lord, that we can know that we are all eternally secure in you. So, Father, thanks for this section of Scripture. Thanks for this study. And, Lord, we know that it doesn't end here. We know that you'd be born. That's coming tomorrow morning in our studies. So, Father, thank you. Lord, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.